seated. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this evening, please turn with me to the prophet Hosea. The prophet Hosea, and as we continue to work our way through this prophet, we are now at chapter 3. Chapter 3. This is a very brief chapter, actually, only five verses. We're going to consider all five of them this evening. But Hosea chapter 3 will be our text. And join me once again in prayer before we consider it. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. Oh Lord, we need you. We need your Spirit's work for us to understand, for us to see, for us to know, for us to walk and live according to your precepts. And so, Lord, we pray for your work, your blessing, your guidance, even now. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, Hosea chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the very word of God written for you and for me today. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for fifteen shekels of silver, and one and one-half homers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too I will be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God, and David, their king, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Indeed, he who has ears to hear, let him hear the very word of God. Well, beloved in Christ, spiritual adultery and idolatry are inseparably connected. And this is the real-life picture that God called the prophet Hosea to proclaim and to show the people of Israel. To lead the arms of the living God to the arms of another requires the people to be wooed by someone or something that they put in his place in their heart. And as that is treasonous enough in and of itself, what is even worse are the things and actions the people ascribe to their new false god or false gods as they are deceived. Remember how Hosea revealed to us that this was clearly evident with Israel and their turning their back on God, turning their eyes and worshiping Baal. If you recall, Baal isn't the name of one false god, but more of a title designating a false god that is the head over other false gods. Baal worship was a fertility cult involved in uh, and involving lewd rituals, believed to ensure the, pro the productivity of the land. It was a religion for profit as well, 
where worshippers desire to procure things for life. And how did God portray Israel's adulterous relationship with Baal? Israel had gone chasing after her lovers, Hosea said. And what actions did Israel ascribe to the lovers that she chased? Grand provisions of all that she needed for the necessities of life, she thought. She boasted of bread and water and oil and drink and wool and linen being hers from her lover's hand. And yet what was true? God provided his people with everything that they had, everything that they needed. He provided for all of their needs. And we see this to be most wonderfully evident in the Father's gift and provision of Christ to us. And because of Israel's actions, what would God do? He would take all of his gifts away, he said. In judgment, God would make Israel barren as a wasteland and shame her as he would expose her nakedness to both her lovers and her enemies. He would strip her of the joys of her religious festivals and Sabbaths. For Israel went after her lovers and forgot her covenant Lord, God said. And therefore, Hosea teaches us that God would punish Israel thoroughly. And further, we find in tonight's text that God commands Hosea to give Israel another real-life picture of God's loving relationship with his people. Through another relationship that Hosea was to engage in, a relationship that shows forth our redemption, we're going to see wonderfully. And so let's consider the details of that relationship in verse 1. Hosea's faithfulness in painting that picture through that relationship in verses 2 and 3. And the foretelling that Israel would return and seek the Lord in verses 4 and 5. So as you look with me in verse 1, we see this second picture of God's loving relationship with his people portrayed. In verse 1 we read, Then the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. Now, as the first real-life relationship God wanted Hosea to enter into to show forth their spiritual adultery against him was Hosea's marriage to Gomer, along with their three children. Here we find that Hosea was to show forth God's relationship with Israel, considering her chasing after other lovers specifically. And notice what God tells Hosea to do with this adulteress. The focus is on his love for her, as it's to show forth God's love for his people. God's command is patterned after his loyal, his protective, and his bountiful love. And so we find that his love for his bride, his love for his people, was, was grand and evident, even though they were greatly undeserving. See how God's love remains, even as the people look to other gods. You know, how much 
this is also true for us today is, is something for us to take note. We are completely undeserving of his love, his mercy, and his grace. And yet his love for the unlovely is so abundant to us in Christ. We too turn our backs to him in our sin, and yet his love remains. His pursuit of us pressed on in the sending of Christ and in his life, death, and resurrection. In Romans 5, we see this wonderfully painted, as Paul tells the church in Rome in verses 6 through 9, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So here is this wonderful example in Hosea's love for this adulterous woman. Though we're familiar with Hosea's words about Israel's looking to and chasing after others, note what he says here about their love for the raisin cakes of pagans. Now why does God point this out? It may seem interesting. Why does God point out their love for the raisin cakes of pagans? Again, as Israel chased after others and, and what they could give her, even the fine things, the delicacies of pagan raisin cakes were one of the gifts that she came to love and came to praise. And as the name implies, raisin cakes were cakes that were made of raisins pressed together. Right? And they were actually offered at special occasions. We find this to be true in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, where we read there, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. So we see this, this special gift from David to all in Israel. And one of those things that he gave was a cake of raisins. Very special. And it was also quite possible that the children of Israel uh, used raisin cakes in Baal worship as an aphrodisiac. We see in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with cakes of raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick, he says. So as God's love for his undeserving people here is in view, we see this example continue in Hosea's purchasing this harlot for a price. 
So notice Hosea's faithfulness in a redeeming and pure relationship with this otherwise sinful woman. Look at verse 2. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too I will be toward you. So my friends, the, the first thing that we see here is Hosea's faithfulness and obedience in carrying out God's command. God told him to go again and to find this woman and he did. And so the second painting of the picture comes to pass. But also see two wonderful things in Hosea's action and words that point us to Christ. First, see how Hosea bought the woman for a price. The payment Hosea made was roughly half in silver, half in produce. It was approximately the price of a slave, as we learn in Exodus 21, verse 32. Yet, this is ultimately pointing us to the price that Jesus paid and the cost of our redemption through the shedding of his own blood. Consider Peter's words in 1 Peter 1, 17-19. He said, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so we see this wonderful purchase of this woman for a price. Secondly, we also see Hosea redeemed her to live a life free from her sin. See the purity of their relationship in verse 3 here. She would be pure with Hosea and he would be pure with her. See the long-term nature of the length of her stay. And so Jesus purchased us who were in bondage to sin, freeing us from that bondage, giving us new life in him, a life in which we are called to abandon the sins that we once lived and bathed in and walk in holiness before him even as he is holy. And that life that Christ purchased for us entails us being with him for all eternity. So again, we see that this woman would be with Hosea for many days, but yet their relationship would be pure. It would be godly. And so in spite of their sin, Hosea again speaks to then Israel's return and seeking the Lord that would be upcoming. Look at verse 5. Or excuse me, verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. And so along with God punishing Israel by removing her feasts, by removing her festivals and Sabbaths, God would remove both their legitimate and illegitimate political and religious institutions. God, in essence, removed things that were good, like kingly governance and protection, along with purging them of what was bad, 
as in their idolatry. And so see in this verse how Hosea matches what is legitimate with what is illegitimate. For example, the sacrifice and the sacred pillar. Both their sacrifices and ephod were legitimate. The ephod was an Old Testament priestly robe made in all blue, we see in Exodus 28.31. However, the sacred pillars were illegitimate. In Deuteronomy 16.21-22, we're taught, You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. And notice verse 22. You shall not set up a sacred pillar, which the Lord your God hates. And so, my friends, the idols, or the teraphim, were also the same. Zechariah 10.2, we read, For the idols speak delusion. The diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They, they comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wend their ways like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. But Hosea says in verse 5, Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So again, we are reminded that in the midst of divine wrath, God remembers mercy. He draws his people to return and seek him. Praise the Lord for this, beloved. God promised that the people would turn and seek their covenant Lord. They would also return and seek the benefits and the good rule and the protection of the king, even King David, whom God raised up as a righteous king. Consider Jeremiah 30, verse 4. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. This was all the Lord's doing. Even Hosea was speaking to this, that the Lord's raising up of David was a blessing for his people. And they would once again have the fear of God before their eyes and in their hearts. They would stand in awe and revere him as they ought, not have this fascination and infatuation with their lovers going after the Baals and worshiping, they would repent and turn once again to God. They would recognize and appreciate and enjoy and love their covenant Lord and His goodness. But keep in mind, beloved, His goodness had been there all along, had it not? His goodness had been there all along, and they were blind to it in their sin. They were blind to it in the departure, in their chasing. But he would open their eyes to see, after they had endured his punishment, their eyes would be open to see, and they would return, and they would seek the Lord. Remember Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 4. In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, and they and the children of Judah together, with continual weeping, they shall come and seek the Lord their God. 
When God convicts his people of sin, when he opens our eyes to the reality of the atrocities that we have committed against him, he brings us to a place of sorrow. In our repentance, we find much sorrow that is fueled in that because we realize the offense that we have committed against the living God. And in our coming to him, we do, we return, we seek him. But there is much weeping. There is much sorrow. But praise the Lord that our covenant God, our Savior, lifts up our heads and comforts us with his goodness. He comforts us with his peace and forgiveness. So once again, our thoughts are drawn and pointed to our Redeemer and Savior here. As God's wayward people, we too are called and drawn to return and to seek after the Lord our God in the midst of such sin. And by God's grace, we seek after the sovereign good rule and protection of King David's greater son, Jesus Christ. The greater king who sits on the throne and will forever his kingdom will never end. And we fear Him. And we praise Him. And we love Him for His perfect goodness. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, beloved, with which He pursues the undeserving and the unlovely. And He pursues the undeserving and unlovely like no one else would or could. Without the love of God that remained and undergirded his covenant relationship with his people in Israel, without his grace and mercy, God would have been just to punish them thoroughly and justly remain in the position of not being their husband. And them not being his wife. And yet mercy was present due to his unfailing love. May we never forget that same enduring love and mercy to us today that God has extended to us in Christ. May we ever praise and thank Jesus for the tremendous sacrificial payment that he made for us. And the freedom and life that he's purchased for us as he has freed us from bondage to our harlotries and idols. And as much as returning and seeking the Lord was a promise for Israel after their punishment, so too returning and seeking the Lord must be a prompt practice for us when we find that we have fallen into sin and are enduring divine chastening. Again, praise God that, that the door has been opened for us and that the call remains for us to repent and to turn to our covenant Lord knowing his forgiveness and our reconciled relationship with him in Christ. 